Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. The Magic gave us a huge scare a few games ago, but have now won two straight. Once again in close proximity of the eighth seed, and there's 11 games remaining this regular season. Let's go. Penny, welcome back. Uh, the Magic uh, had a two and two week. I went from almost kicking in my TV to hey, we won two straight games. So, so we'll kind of talk about the four games. Uh, we'll have another episode of Magical Moments, one that you will actually dominate. So I will be more of the spectator along with all our listeners. It's John Amici themed. Um, tea with Meech. <laughs> yeah. So can't wait to hear that. And then because uh, I think it's been quite a long time since you told me this story so i actually forgot the vast majority of it so this is why we do magical moments for just also my terrible brain to actually remember stuff and for our new listeners to actually you know know more about us so anyway we'll get to that and then we also are going to rank our top five uh breweries in orlando so we try to keep it we're trying to keep it local themed and at the same time uh you know we're going to do the same style like we did with the magic hall of fame where penny's got a list of five i got a list of five we go to the same breweries so i'm sure the list will converge at some point but anyway so the magic we're gonna go you know right now we're recording during the heat uh oklahoma city thunder game so the magic are currently one game back of miami If Russell Westbrook didn't get suspended due to uh, accumulation of technical fouls, I would have liked the Thunder's chances, but Miami's been playing better of late since having Bam Adebayo in the starting lineup. Hassan Whiteside still actually cares, uh, which is an issue, and Goran Dragic is actually kind of getting back into form a bit. I think he's only played like about 22 games, so we don't need him healthy, but he's healthy and he's playing a little bit better, and that's who the Magic are in chase of. And they're hanging around on the road right now, so we'll see if OKC can do us any favors. Yeah, Miami's starting that four-game road trip. Hopefully, uh, you know, they, they don't get more than a win during the trip, but we'll see. Uh, the Magic, they still have the most favorable schedule down the stretch when you compare them to teams like Brooklyn and Charlotte. I don't think they're going to catch Detroit. Detroit's got the sixth seed. and yeah, rolling. I, yeah, Detroit's rolling. Brooklyn's in the middle of their uh, brutal seven-game road trip right now where, thank God, Lou Williams hit a game-winner last night. Uh, He also clinched six-man of the year probably with that, which that's fine with. I'm sure Terrence Ross will be disappointed, but it was really between Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell probably. But anyway, so we'll go back to uh, the first of the uh, four games since we last had our pod, which was the Magic losing 105-97 in Memphis. Woof. Yeah, I'm not going to break that down too much. Uh, I mean, they... You know, at the time, the Magic had eighth in their possession, and then and this the game started in their, their possession. Yeah, this this started their tumble into ninth. But I'm just not very pleased with the officiating. Uh, it's a Are lot of sure? well, there was only one incorrect call in the last two minutes, according to the, the official report. Yeah, the NBA two minute report, which you know Josh Robbins had 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 rolled it out, but we all examined it, and I I said I, I was going to be very intrigued at what that two-minute report would show. But all they said was the only call that they got wrong was when Orlando was up 97-96. C.J. Miles should have been whistled for a foul on Jonathan Isaac. And that's it. 
Evidently, they completely missed the Wessel one do play. Uh, yeah, where Jonas Valanciunas, one, hits him on the arm, but two, more importantly, he hip-checks him yeah. as he's going up before he even makes any contact with his hand or the ball at the same time. And then there was the whole, uh, you know, there, there was the, the, the ghost Mike Conley and one right. where Isaac gets called for a foul. No one touches Mike Conley. Uh, probably even more blatant was DeLon Wright getting a, what should have been a, a travel call, getting away with a travel, and instead getting an and one, which was a huge point swing. And, you know, the Magic, I know they didn't score a field goal for the last six-plus minutes of the game, but when you look at, and when you actually watch the game and you watch how some of the uh, fouls or non-fouls were distributed, I, it's, it's an infuriating thing, and that's why, you know, Steve Clifford made his point well-known. I don't think he got fined. No. Not, so that's the other thing. Clearly, he's you know he said in all my years of coaching, I've never seen such you know crap like this. And clearly, the NBA agreed with him, even though the two minute report didn't. Right. But he didn't get fined. So I guess the league office agrees with Clifford, while at the same time trying to cover for the officials. So I mean, I don't have much more to say on the game. Um, it was a frustrating night. I think that you know. Memphis ratcheted up their defense in the closing minutes for sure, and we probably could have executed better. But at the end of the day, we still played enough, well enough to win the game, and to have that one slip away really hurt. It was interesting that you know the Magic got off to that god awful first quarter start, but once Evan Fournier got thrown out in the third, it looked like they were going to win, and then it didn't happen. So I'm not going to talk more about that. That's way in the past at this point. I uh, will focus on the other loss, though, that happened uh, a couple nights later Yikes. where the Magic lost to the Wizards. Uh, before that, though, we found out Isaiah Briscoe did have to have arthroscopic surgery on his torn meniscus, which seems like ages ago, but this is literally last week. Um, he says he got the injury back on February 22nd in that home loss to the Bulls, first game after the All-Star break, where he also picked up concussion. So, bad night, yeah, Isaiah. Uh, I mean, we were talking about, you know, who was going to cover, you know, would Jaron Grant cover for Briscoe? Obviously, we know not well. But uh, going into that Wizards game, though, the Magic had two freaking full days off. Two full days off from Memphis. Right. They actually fly back to Orlando, which in hindsight, the team probably regrets that now, at least the coaching staff or whoever the decision maker was on that. The Magic fly back. I remember Terrence Ross was at, like, you know, theme park with his kid. And I'm sure guys were, re- re- you know, rest and relaxing that Monday. Yeah. Ramp it back up Tuesday and travel to Memphis – or travel to D.C. And then you just – you have a terrible showing against the Wizards. Probably well, one of the – I would say one of the worst games all year. And the Magic had already gone into it having lost, like, 13 of the last 14 games in D.C. So it's not like D- we've had, D- you know, Washington's number, you know, in, in our – in our capital, basically. Right, yeah. And so, you know, every time we play against former Magic guys like Trevor Reese and Jeff Green, I get nervous. And it turned out to be a bad omen when we saw both of them kind of contributing early. Um, just from the get-go, Orlando's defense just was terrible. Bad transition defense. You know, DJ Augustine in that first quarter, his assertiveness kind of kept us in it early on. But in reality, we easily could have been down 20 early in that game, you know, Jaron Grant was a big reason why the Wizards went on a 10-0 run late in that period, in that first period. He, at minimum, has to bring the defense. He can't distribute, can't shoot, really. And when he does shoot, it's in very bad streaks. And so if he's not bringing the energy or the effort defensively, he's pretty much worthless. And as we know, 
when we talk when we're going to talk about Michael Carter Williams, yeah, he bungled the chance. He bungled the chance, and clearly Steve Clifford was like, "I need another guy." Yeah. Somehow the Magic are only down like eight at the half, but you know, start the third quarter. Evan Fournier throws up a shot. It was already the Magic's fourth air ball in the game early in that third period. But they did wake up. Uh, they ended up going on an 8-0 run to tie it at like 61-61. And then they do a little bit back and forth. Isaac hits like a couple threes to tie it at 69-69. Uh, you know, he had 13 points in that first period after having zero points at the half. So, yeah, he got hot. The Wizards had a two-point lead going in the fourth. But you feel like, okay, the Magic were kind of... They picked it up and they woke up and you felt like they were going to run away with it in the fourth. And then it just it didn't work out. Like it, it, it's just a bad sign when even Kem Birch is having trouble with guys like Thomas Bryant. And you know, I'm glad that Clifford did go to Augustine and Vooch earlier than usual in the fourth quarter. I think he waits yeah. till like the seven minute mark. He you went like at like eight thirty. Yeah, he really was going all in to get that win, even with a game the next night. Um, you know, Terrence Ross, he he just had a rough go of it. Um, the Magic, they need Terrence Ross to just just stay hot at this point because Fournier. Whatever goodwill he had in February, as far as having like the best net rating out of all the team, you know, out of uh, all Magic players in February, it just hasn't really carried over much in March. Uh, you know, when DJ Augustine's having to hit like miracle shots to keep the Magic going alive late in that fourth quarter, at least the middle of the fourth quarter, it's just not a good sign. Um, well, that's you know the formula that we have to win basketball games is we need Vooch to be Vooch, we need Terrence Ross to shoot at least 40-50% from the field, and we need Aaron Gordon to do a bunch of stuff and Fournier not to fuck it up too bad, and when all those things don't happen, it's going to be an uphill climb to, to end with a road win. Yeah, the Wizards just slaughtered the Magic bench 59-20. to 20. Um you know, when you hit Jabari Parker had like 19 points, Thomas Bryant, 21. Some guy named Chasen Randall had 13. So I don't know if that just comes from combining the name Chase or Jason. I don't I don't know where Chasen comes from. But some guy named Chasen Randall had 13 points. A Magic shot 39% for the game. And with this team, if you're not playing top defense, shooting 39%, you're not going to win a game. Yeah. So that was the bad. And even, you know, with the Wizards winning that game, it gave them actually some hope to maybe catch the eighth seed. But the Wizards aren't going to catch us, or they're not, and they're not certainly not going to catch, you know, whoever is in the eighth seed, which right now is Miami. But thankfully the Magic did wake up the next night, you know, second night of a back-to-back, Cavs back home in Orlando, where home has actually been good to the Magic lately, which we haven't really been able to say that over the past couple of years, for sure. For sure. And, well, but, I think, like, you know, the flight back home from D.C. to Orlando is one of those uh, fork-in-the-road low moments again where it feels like, you know, this could be the defining moment in the season that takes us into an early summer break. Um, and luckily, the Magic got back home and were ready to play. Yeah, and ready they were. You know, the Magic took care of business. They beat a Cleveland team who they lost to in Cleveland about a week and a half before. Uh, but they beat them Thursday night, one twenty to ninety-one. There's not really too much I need to say about it. They Vooch. the Magic really just crushed them. Um, you know, Vooch put on a clinic in the first quarter where he had 13 points in the first period alone. He, you know, the Magic were up 36-20, and Cleveland never really, really got into the, the game. Time. You know, the Magic shot 58 percent in that first period. The second quarter, a 15-0 run occurs where the Magic go up at one point forty-four to twenty, and again just ready to blow them out. Um, you know, Augustine had a really, really efficient game: twenty points, seven assists, no turnovers. Kem Birch double-double, 
maybe the cleanest Euro step I've seen all season from a Magic player. He did not do that at Olympiacos, and he has, that's the first time I've seen him whip out a Euro step that smoothly Actual and that nicely. Man. And you know, after the game, Fournier and Terrence Ross both kind of mentioned that the team was playing angry, and it showed, and they took it seriously. And when you take it seriously on both ends of the floor, you beat teams that are worse than you, like the Cavs. But I really don't have much more to say about that. Um, you know, we I needed win and a got win. Yeah, it really had the Magic lost that game. I would have been very tempted to say stick a fork in us. Um, I mean, there's there's still games to play, etc. And mathematically, you're not eliminated. But it really to to suffer a three game losing streak against teams that you should have won all the games against would have been brutal. Um, you know, after the game, the Magic said bye-bye to Troy Copain again where he got sent down to Lakeland, who the Lakeland Magic are officially in the playoffs now. So this is, the, right, first, this is the first uh, G League or D League Magic-affiliated team that is going to make the playoffs. I think so. we'll go down and check out a playoff game. That's a long, brutal drive. Hopefully <laughs> I-4 is looking clean that evening. But, uh, no, I, look, honestly, if you – for those people that are in Tampa or near Tampa – you know, or specifically if you're in Lakeland where there is a, a very deep, respectful population in the Central Florida area, just anywhere in that area, and you don't feel like making the trek to go see the Magic live, go to a Lakeland game. It's cheap. They're playing damn well, and it's typically very high scoring. A lot yeah. of threes. A G uh, League up and down, fast-paced, really not a lot of defense, entertaining basketball. We would know, and especially you, we used to edit uh, right? Edit uh, G League <laughs> games for uh, for a side gig, so... We're very familiar with that. Uh, anyway, moving on. Like I said, Troy Copain got sent back to Lakeland because the Magic would sign Michael Carter-Williams, who I didn't realize he was already 27 years old, but it doesn't really – it shouldn't matter. But he he is the 2013-2014 Rookie of the Year. He did take that from from Victor Oladipo. But, uh, the I got to Mag- tell you, when the news broke, though, I was, I was not happy – of all the people to gift a 10-day contract to, and I get that he has familiarity with Steve Clifford, but I will say in listening to his some of his interviews since the Magic have signed him, he seems to be really uh, um, objective about the opportunity in front of him. and He's hungry, and he's grateful. Wants to make he, the most of it. Because, I mean, he last played for the Rockets earlier in the season, and then I think because they were trying to save on their luxury cap or right. whatever, they actually sent him off along with money. cash considerations yeah. to Chicago. So it wasn't necessarily because he was bad for them. It's just Houston needs to save money big time. Yeah. But the, the Bulls immediately waived him in, in January, and he hasn't played since then. So... You know, having a couple months off, not being on a team, that'll that'll make you hungry, especially, you know, considering you're a lottery pick, you're a rookie of the year, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm just a journeyman at this point. Right. So wake up call. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you texted me that the 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 news and when we were talking about a little bit about Michael Carter Williams, I was like, ah, I mean, do we need another guy who can't shoot? We already have Jaron Grant. He does fit the mold. He's a six six guy, who. He is known for defense. There's no doubt about it. He is um, long. He's longer than Jaron Grant. So you know, we we knew that he was already familiar with Steve Clifford and the coaching staff from his time with the Charlotte Hornets. But he actually had some familiarity with Kem Birch. I guess they played some AAU ball or maybe some high school ball. I, I can't remember from the Magic interview, but you know that was the first guy he mentioned. And then he also mentioned he growing up maybe with uh, Isaiah Briscoe. Well, Isaiah Briscoe's sister, I guess. Yep. Um, and so. 
you know, he would he would uh, see Briscoe, uh, who was a couple years younger than Carter Williams. But he's already familiar with some of the bench guys. I know Briscoe's out for the season, but still that familiarity doesn't hurt when you know another point guard on the team already. Sure. Um, but it was going to be interesting to see because the Magic had uh, several days, another two day, full days off. They had Friday, Saturday off. Sunday came well, where the Magic well, played totally Atlanta. totally off because well, – uh, uh, not only did we have a, a gigantic concert at the Amway Center on Friday night, who uh, was Travis Scott and Sheck West yeah. opened for him, right? Which, had I known about this, I actually might have probably gone to the concert. I did not know Sheck West was opening for Travis Scott, and there was a surprise guest appearance by our very own Mo Bamba. Yeah, and all right, I'm going to ask you the question: all Is right. the Mo Bamba song overplayed? Not just like here locally. I mean, just in general, because whenever I watch any sports game. If, or you know any sporting yeah. event, they play they play the Mo Bamba song. Yeah, it's the 2019 version of the Kesha TikTok now in all in arena. I still like it though. That's yeah. the problem. Like, it's not good. the problem. It's it's yeah. it's great beat. Yeah. You know, you, if you're alone in the car, you scream, you do a little yelling uh, with certain parts of the song. But I was curious to know how large that roller coaster was that Mo was in because it actually looked fairly comfy. And I mean, he's a seven foot one guy in that thing. I gotta tell you, I used to the old Disney Quest. They used to have the build your own roller coaster simulator pod thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. What you're and when about. you when you go upside down, going that slowly and there's no inertia or anything or whatever the gravitational force is mm-hmm. it's like god that really hurts your legs so i'm glad that he got out unscathed well i'm i mean it, it, if there's anything there's evidence that he's doing okay out of the boot like right. he wasn't dancing like crazy he was mostly using his hands which is kind of what i do actually not well but um <laughs> you would you would think my my best better assets are like my lower body and yet i you i dance more with my arms than i, I do didn't with my see mo bamba doing the burning no, well, I don't think I, I can out Bernie probably anybody on that team. I can out Bernie pretty much anyone, but uh, that's another topic for for another. Maybe we'll do top five dances. No, I don't know. Um, but uh, now people that were being kind of critical about him being at the concerts, like you should be with the team. He, it's the freaking day off. Like leave him, and he's not playing. And they were all obligated to go out the next night for the Vintner dinner that took place in, instead of the old, uh, you know, blue tie and. Tennies, uh, yeah, blue tie, blue, yeah, or, uh, sorry, yeah, black tie black and tennies galley, yeah, yeah. whatever that thing was that yeah. they'll never probably be able to go, but uh, $7,500 dinner doesn't appeal to you. I mean, Morimoto was cooking that, you know, He's I was watching old, fish. I was watching old Iron Chef yeah. episodes and even the new Iron Chef episodes, he's in whatever, but um morimoto is a pretty happy guy in general I, there's never a time where i don't see that guy smiling he was at the hawks game which we'll talk about here very in a quick moment but morimoto was filming the uh the jump crew trying to do the trampoline dances or what or trampoline dunks and whatnot but he uh he looked entertained throughout the first time you see him it's really exciting yeah i i would like to go to that restaurant in disney springs one time i think you've been once but i i haven't been yet and it's cool that you can do like even like a quick like drop by like there's like a takeout window or whatever yeah. and it'd be cool to do but not to get off on a on a wild tangent but the magic did beat the uh the hawks so they had another two days off after you know disposing of the Cavs that thursday night they had friday saturday off so it gave uh, michael carter williams a little bit of time to practice to practice get acclimated etc but uh, the Magic did take care of business against the Hawks, uh, who have been quite feisty lately as far as you know playing them goes. Uh, Trey Young was looking good. 
Uh, I mean, they have an interesting young core between him, John Collins, even uh, the Herder kid. Um, and then you have a 41, 42-year-old Vince Carter still, get still it getting done. it done, which I'm going to point out, Vince Carter's in better shape now than he ever was with the Magic. <laughs> That's true. Like, there's no denying this, yeah. right? Um, so, I, I guess I can hold that against him. Maybe not. Uh, maybe he just figured out an awesome diet or workout hey, regimen since then. Quick aside, what is your enduring moment memory of the Vince Carter tenure in Orlando other than shitting bricks at the free throw line That's against the Boston the only one I have is him missing the two free throws uh, and then slamming the bench I'll, I'll and be, I know he scored what do you score 50 in a game against New Orleans like 48 or which so, is like yeah. the third most he's ever scored in That's NBA the only game. image that I have of him in a magic jersey and as enjoyable that was um you know I I have him I I the one what was it It was like a Sunday game against uh, the Cavaliers on ABC where he has this one crazy dunk like he goes by uh Antoine Jameson I think in Shaq's garden the the post and he just yeah, slams yeah. one past them it was that was late in that one I think the magic won that game but I I'm not a Vince Carter guy and I'm still and Pete, I know you think I well, I think you think that the 0910 team was better than the 0809 team I don't oh yeah for sure I don't despite what the statistics may indicate I'm a Courtney Lee Ray for Austin backcourt guy wow. I am <laughs> you know, I and in hindsight, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. But the decisions made in that off season after to let you know Hito walk, etc., um, and then you know give Jameer Nelson his job back by getting rid of uh, Ray for Alston and Courtney Lee to bring back you know Ryan Anderson, Vince Carter. It, it it in hindsight it didn't work out, and I definitely still prefer that 0809 team well according to steve clifford we have our rafer alston like uh late season acquisition now so which i find that to be a very weird kind of combo he was grasping at straws because like well one i know rafer shorter he's 6'2 i think or 6'3 but rafer could shoot a lot better than than michael carter williams Michael Carter Williams, he well, well let's, let's get into it now. Magic beat Atlanta Sunday night, one hundred one ninety one. Magic now have a thirty three thirty eight record uh, coming into tonight, which is again you know, we're recording this on Monday night. Um, you know the Magic are were a game back of Miami and a game in front of Charlotte after Miami and Charlotte duked it out Sunday right. afternoon in the matinee showing. Um, but the Magic uh, they. Weren't shy to immediately throw uh, Michael Carter Williams in in the first quarter. You know, he immediately comes in, takes Jaron Grant's backup point guard minutes. First thing he does, he immediately challenges DeAndre Bembry dunk that Bembry missed. He didn't block it, but really impressive play. I mean, he's sprinting baseline full court, baseline. like legit sprint, ninety-four feet. Um, and so, but after that, you know, even this is all still in the first quarter where he's throwing these very nice, smooth cross-court passes, which. They don't seem like a big deal, but when Jaron Grant can't do that, and you have a guy that can do that because he's 6'6", and because he has better court vision, and as he would display throughout the game, the dribble penetration was very important to getting the the magic open looks. And even though a lot of those open looks were missed, that's going to come in handy down the stretch here. Yeah, well, if you talk about the supreme athleticism in the NBA, the difference between a point guard hitting someone else in the shooting pocket ready you know, ready to catch and release yeah, yeah. versus trying to catch it off their ankles or above their head or wherever, mm-hmm. you know, split second makes a difference in getting a clean look, and God knows we need all the wide-open shots that we can get. Yeah, the Magic were up like 28-25 after the end of the first quarter. Vucevic had 17 points because uh, the Magic led 13-4 to start the game, and Nick had all 13 of those Magic points. Quick which, start. 
Uh, and then, thankfully, John Collins, this was a bad game for him. He got into foul trouble the whole night. Uh, Trey Young had a really rough uh, first half shooting-wise. And you know the Hawks are kind of in trouble when you have to depend on an Alex Lynn, Dwayne Dedman front court. We're talking about our last magical moments, basically, right. where it's like Stephen Hunter, Chris Webber, and Samuel Dallenbear as a front court. But having Alex Lynn, and even despite a very much improved Dwayne Dedman, right. yeah. who he's, he's got some nice shots yeah, in his arsenal now, right. um, and he would hit some threes in this game. But it's just Atlanta's not, not there yet. They'll get there with another draft or two. But, I mean, they, they do have a good core. Thankfully, you know, Trey Young didn't catch fire till late in the game. Um, and John Collins had a rough night. Who I still consider John Collins Atlanta's best player, even though Trey Young has, again, he's, he's gotten his name back into the Rookie of the Year conversation. I think Luka Doncic has it, has it locked up. Yeah, he won't catch Luka. But, but he's, he's made it yeah. respectable, basically. Um, Trey Young was doing a bit of jawing with DJ Augustine in the third quarter. It got personal. You know, the Magic were up 10 at halftime in the third quarter. I guess Atlanta kind of fought back trying to maybe talk their way into it. I, I don't know what happened. But, um, you know, there came a point where Alex Len kicked Vooch in, the, in his testicular fortitude <laughs> going up. Uh, Vooch got called for a foul, and he got hit below the belt. I do have a question for you, Penny. You sure. do play pick, pick up basketball pretty yeah, much every Saturday. I do. When's the last time you were kicked in the balls? God, I, you know, honestly, surprisingly, I think that I get hit in the testicles more than I get kicked in the testicles. Either swiping down at the basketball oh. or an elbow or an errant screen or, you know. I can't, honestly, I can't tell you the last. I've probably gotten kicked once or twice in so, 25 years of playing. Because you're six. Two six three right. whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm well I'm with the top knot. You, I'm going to give you like six so, five now. But that's why I wear. So it's it's is it like the short guys that are reaching in now, or it's what? the uh, it's the overly aggressive, uncoordinated, flailing guys. I think. Oh, yeah. oh, that's rough. When's the last time you saw somebody on the court get hit in the balls? I guess then if it wasn't you. Oh, that's a weekly occurrence. Yeah, yeah. man, that's that's why I stopped playing pickup. Although I should probably start doing that again. Um, one of the in arena random storylines that I have been following is will the woman on the flight crew trampoline dunk team convert a slam dunk by the end of the season? What are the odds on that? I'll put it at like eight to one. She's been close. She's been real close. And maybe she's pulled one off where I wasn't watching during the the entertainment or whatnot, but she's been very close. She's usually the one that's setting up everybody else with the very impressive flips and the assists and the passes. Yeah. But she's she's just been so close. Like she she's gotten it over the rim, and it's just the ball's just like falling off. I gotta tell you, I know that they're you know they're part of the the flight crew for a reason, in that they're probably well versed on using the trampoline. But it's a lot harder than you think to jump off a trampoline and dunk a basketball. I can attest to that. Yeah. We've you know there's a couple of trampoline type facilities sure. in Orlando that we've uh, we've attended. Um, usually when it's not dominated by a bunch of kids that I'm afraid to crush to death or whatnot, but um, you know they'll they'll have the trampoline dunk set up to do it, and yeah, it's it's hard. You, I can see why a lot most of the time it's guys that are like five eight or shorter that do it because you have to have a real low center of gravity. And you just do, straight leg it. Yeah, pretty much. Like I have to bend my legs, and that's probably not the way to do it. Basically, um, you know, in the fourth quarter. Look, Michael Carter Williams. He he didn't he didn't shoot the ball well. He missed all his shots, but he got to the free throw line. I think eight times. He made five of them. He led the team in free throw attempts. 
I can live with the, with the dribble penetration and him getting the free throw line a lot because he was the reason why Atlanta was in the penalty with over eight yeah. minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I mean, he didn't play great, but he didn't play bad. But at least you remembered his minutes as opposed to Jaron Grant, where you remembered his screw ups. Yeah, I mean, like he was zero for three from the field, so he didn't take too many shots. Um, you know, he got his five points all off from the free throw line. He had the four assists. Pretty good showing. I, I honestly wanted to, wanted the crowd to give him a standing ovation, but he picked up a technical foul for clapping in uh, Trey Young's face. Um, that's a BS technical foul in my opinion. It looked harmless to me. It, it looked very harmless to me because he's doing it as Trey Young is starting to cut in front of him. Yeah, like he's not doing it at him, but because Trey Young's walking that direction, it ends up looking like that. And I, I just wasn't a fan of that. Um, Kola Vucevic, MVP chance. It warmed my heart. Yeah. I guess he had some Montenegrin people there, and then he said he paid off some people, which that's, I like his humor. Some people don't right. get it because it's very on the dry, right. rye side. Yeah. Um, again, the Magic won 101-91. Uh, Vucevic had 27 points and 20 rebounds. First 2020 game of the season. I didn't realize that. I, think it, it, I believe it's his 52nd double-double of the season. So, again, if the Magic make the playoffs – I, I will end up doing the research and looking at maybe third-team All-NBA, but let's get to the playoffs first, and do then that. I'll worry about it. Um, Aaron Gordon, 22 points, 8 boards. Wes Wandu, career-high scoring, 14 points, and that was big because Fournier, Ross, and Isaac all were pretty quiet from the field. Yeah, Wandu, I think the play of the game for him was that little weak-side corner, backside rebound on the Aaron Gordon three minutes where things were starting to get a little unstable. And that, you felt like we were going to take it home when he had that putback slam. Okay, Penny, let's get into magical moments. Let's do it. What if I told you Disney didn't own every tale? That the best basketball stories actually reside in Orlando. Magical moments. The life and times of two Central Florida men. production. Story time, Penny. What you got? All right. Well, before we get into it, I, I want to start with an old man rant, if you're okay with that. Go for it. So uh, we love basketball. We love NBA basketball. Yes, we do. I think, you know, being born in 88, 89 and kind of the formative years of the franchise or our formative years, you grow accustomed to the players, they have longevity, um, they they go to college for four years, they get drafted, and they're kind of fully formed human beings. And now that we have, uh, even with the one and done, you're getting 19-year-old kids in the league who really have never held a job outside of being a basketball player yeah. year-round. They've specialized in the sport from the time that they're five or six, and there's not as much personality in the league. There's some personalities, yeah, but no. there's not as much like adult personality in the league as there used to be and that's a sign of the changing times too but my story today is about one of the most interesting nba players i would say of all time and probably one of the most well-rounded and renaissance men of the nba of yeah, all time and he probably still is but you can go ahead with uh, with big meech so we're going to talk about john amici and uh this story takes us all the way back to the year 2000 oh man okay 
So we, we so this is this after Y two K. We we survive Y two K. So the magic just had uh, the heart and hustle season. We are in between uh, that season and and signing Grant Hill and Tracy, and Tracy McGrady, McGrady and, and flirting with Tim Duncan. Okay, so it's an exciting time for the franchise. Um, I don't think at the time that they had inked Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady, and I could be wrong. Okay, no. so it's a, they're having a fan event at the old. I think it was still the Orlando Arena at that time. It was I don't not think, quite. Yeah, it wasn't TD quite TD Waterhouse, Waterhouse Center. Center. I think that's another two years. Yeah, so one of those like you know uh, open house, select a seat. We want to sell more ticket events, and they had a couple player appearances and uh, a lot of activity going on in the concourse. And one of the activities was uh, like a like a life size Papa shot. Right. Okay, so yep. you're so not little you know, real basketball, real you know, big real balls. Yeah, yeah. Ten feet high hoops, you get a couple of people shooting at a time and and they've put poor John Amici to man the Papa Shot station. And basically his role was to stand there. Um, and because he's gregarious and a nice man, he was interacting with the fans and stuff. But there was a long line for John Amici, probably because the I, I don't know, I'm gonna assume the other player was uh, not Daryl Armstrong. Not Boello. No, oh, this is well. Maybe Pat Garrity. I don't know, but it, we wasn't getting a lot of fanfare. So, a meet, you know, Meech was the big attraction of the day. Well, the other thing about that free agent that summer was a lot of people were free agents. The way they yeah. had structured the deals, yeah, so. there were not a lot of holdover players to to man these events. So, like, yeah, long yeah. line. Go on, yep. right? And uh, I guess it was the year two thousand, but for some reason, I was wearing a fanny pack. I don't. Mm. Is that, is <laughs> that 2000s, 90s fashion? But I held on to it a little longer than you're, I did. You're a kid, man. Yeah. You can get away with that. I had stuff to carry. So <laughs> I'm in the line. It's pre-drawstring bags. Right. That's true. So I'm in the line. Again, long line. Mm-hmm. And there's a magic little PR staffer, but not not a big wig, not a big name. Not, not yeah. Joel Glass, not, not uh, George Galante. No, okay. not Melanie Kurtzinger. No one that we know. Uh, no one, obviously, certainly that we knew at the time. Yeah. Right? Um, probably a low-level intern type who's uh, very sternly and aggressively telling everyone in the line, Amici's not doing autographs. Oh, wow. Really? Like, repeatedly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How many kids would you say are in the line for this? Uh, I would say uh, I probably got in line behind 50 people. Okay. So you're going through, you're shooting a couple shots, and then you're on your, you know, whatever the 45-second clock on the game is or whatever. So a couple shots, but on a 45-second clock for each person. Okay. So... You play the game, you move along, you know, slap high five or whatever, handshake, whatever. No autographs. No autographs. And I'm sure, again, Amici being the kind, generous man that he is, probably wouldn't have minded signing 100 autographs. Nonetheless, no autographs. So I go through the line, I go through the line, I go through the line, I'm up to the line. Mm Mm-hmm. I put my fanny pack down. Oh, wow. Okay. You're showing yourself being serious. I'm shooting. I'm I'm here to shoot, right? I'm here to shoot. I'm here to score. Go for it, right? So I play the game. I make some shots. You know, I get streaky. I'm a a Jaron Grant of sorts in that I'll get streaky, right? Did you go lefty or righty? Oh, I was always lefty. I, that's that's yeah. what I thought, but you yeah, like yeah. to do things differently, so yeah. that's why I need to clarify. Yeah, so the, the crafty lefty stroke was on on the Papa shot, and I felt pretty good about it. Well, high five for Amici on the way out. Put my fanny pack, buckle it back on, and go in there. I open up the fanny pack, and I shit you not, here's what's inside. What? I took 
to the event. And I'm not a big autograph guy, but as you know, we both of us have a lot of magic memorabilia that we've collected over the years. Yeah, and a lot that I need to dig up again, but yeah. Binders of cards and, and, you know, I have a fair share of autographs and pictures and everything. Mm -hmm. So I had an Orlando Magic notebook, notepad. Yeah. Right? Logo notepad. Mm -hmm. Had a pen in there just in case. (laughs) Yeah. I open up the I open up the fanny pack, and there's a note from John Amici that he wrote while I was shooting on the Papa shot. Nice shooting, John Amici. Wow. Okay. So not only did he sign an autograph. Wait, was he trying to rob you though? He there was nothing, there was nothing <laughs> of value in the fanny pack. He made a nice salary that year. Now let's not besmirch his name. No. So evidently, while I was in line, uh-huh. I probably had the pen and paper out, and being the the rule follower that I am, I tucked it back in. He saw Johnny John Amici John being the perceptive one that right. he's he's known even in right. his post playing career. This, okay. this young man wants an autograph. The the mean PR person has said no. I put it, the material back in yeah. the fanny pack and I set it on the ground. He picks it up while I'm shooting. He writes a nice and accurate note, nice shooting, and signs it. John Amici, number thirteen. Which we will post that photo once I post the podcast. So I got yeah, visual evidence of that. And I want to say, too, if you have not read the John Amici book, Man in the Middle, um, a great biography of, you know, an interesting story and being, you know, the, one, one of the pioneers of being a homosexual yeah, in the league. Absolutely. But if you're interested in some great anecdotes from the Heart and Hustle season and also the, the second season, he touches on that because obviously he touches on his whole basketball career. Of course. Yeah. Some great stories about his life in Orlando during the Heart and Hustle season, that team, Doc Rivers, Daryl Armstrong. I cannot recommend that book highly enough. And also, John Amici, if you're listening, thank you. It's a really great story. Also, John Amici is the answer to one of my favorite random trivia questions. I know what you're going to ask. Which is, uh, who is the first NBA player to score the first points of the new millennium? And it is John Amici. He did it in Miami. In Miami, yeah. He did, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I remember that game. So. Random trivia question if you want to stump somebody. Uh, but that's an awesome story, Penny. And, uh, again, we will post the uh, the photo like we'll do with every magical moment. There's usually going to be a photo or something tied to our magical moment. Before we get into our top five brewery list back and forth, uh, I do have a, a, a question and then something else to discuss. But I do have a question, and this is kind of a random thing because yeah. uh, we like doing random stuff. We're but just spitballing here. I want to know what's more annoying to you. Every kid doing the floss dance at a Magic game. Yeah. Um, stuff using deflated basketballs on his half-court trick shots, because oh, he does. Also annoying. Uh, or robo-phone calls. Well, as you know, I'm a, I'm a curmudgeon. I get annoyed by the smallest of things. I get annoyed more by the largest of things. <laughs> yeah. The robo-phone call, luckily we live in, a, in, a, in an age where the cell phone says scam. Right? Yeah. Scam likely. So that one doesn't bother me. I see it coming. I get rid of it. And I don't love the deflated basketball because even for the on-court shooting promotion, they use different size and inflation and everything. Yeah. So you're kind of used to that. I got to tell you, the the floss dancing really pisses me off. And I, if you've been to a solar bear game lately, 
lot of whites, a lot <laughs> of white kids. And they're just, it's floss and dab and floss and dab and whatever the other Fortnite dances are. And, yeah. and it immediately with no regard to whatever song is playing on the Jumbotron or whatever theme is occurring in the arena at the time, that's mm-hmm. my number one annoyance right now. What about uh, you? It's it's definitely robocalls. Yeah. Uh, maybe I need to acquire more apps or because I, I, I hit the spam on like all of these basically at this point and they still keep coming back. Like I have a work cell phone for my full-time occupation and I kid you not, last week, twice, my personal cell phone magically got two phone calls from my work phone. Huh. And my work phone was sitting right next to me. So That's they're, impressive they're getting work. a little bit more creative. Oh, yeah. uh, I, do, I did find out, apparently, that uh, 407 and 321 area codes are among the highest in receiving robocalls in the nation. Maybe just because we have a lot of senior citizens in the area, maybe they try to take advantage of them like that. But it's robocalls for me, but... I, I do feel like Stuff's uh, reputation should be tarnished a little bit with the deflated balls. Like, you and I still like fat stuff. I think that's that's what it's going to come down to in the end with, with us and him. But one more relevant Magic-related question. Josh Robbins at The Athletic uh, about a week ago reported that the Magic were actually looking into possibly building a brand-new practice facility. Uh, if people do or do not know, uh, the Magic do practice inside the Amway Center. Uh, you know, on the west side of the arena, there's their little practice facility where there's one court. When they were still hosting, or you know, Orlando Summer League, over over the past few years, they would have the summer league games in there. It would get a little cramped sometimes with media and teams and whatever. But it was a nice, intimate atmosphere. But I mean, it's it's a it's a nice facility still, large gym. Uh, I guess the, Alex Martin's already kind of said that. The Magic wouldn't build this new practice facility across the street where they're building their uh, their complex, where there's going to be, you know, hotels, office space, uh, maybe a movie theater, a few different things. I guess my question to you is, are the Mad? Do the Magic really need to to do this? And if so, where would you place it? Because they want it really close, obviously, to Amway Center, which would make sense. Right. Um, do, do the Magic need it? I mean, obviously, I guess you're seeing some of these brand-new arenas that have come out, but not just brand-new arenas, like practice facilities. I know, like, I think Philadelphia just had open theirs like a year or two ago. Uh, Toronto just renamed theirs after Drake. They call it the OVO complex now, I guess, right now. Uh, but all these are getting renovated, or like they're co- and they're costing over $100 million. I mean, some of these can get pretty pricey. Do do you really think the Magic need to look into this? I, well, I think, first of all, you have to take your hat off to Alex Martins for once and also ownership for being willing to, you know, turn over every stone in pursuit of giving the players everything that they need and the coaches everything they need to develop a winning product. Yeah, and, and yeah, not to cut in too, too hard on that, but I, I think it's shown lately, as soon as the Magic signed uh, Hammond Weltman to be their front office guys, they've they've spent a lot of money on bringing in a lot more staff not just people new staff but just like people um like they're big on like chefs and cooking which i'm surprised they weren't in the past but they really are um and just the staff in general it's getting it's it's one of the larger ones down the nba where i guess previously over you know three years ago was one of the smaller ones and so the magic are putting in a lot of money into into the team 
Um, you know, Evan Fournier had the comment where he liked the pra- you know the practice s- situation the way it was. The only thing he said was maybe adding like another court. It seems like that's the biggest gripe is that when they do their on court drills, not necessarily obviously the five on five scrimmaging, but you talk about expanded rosters now with two way players and. Hell, the Magic have technically 18 players now. With, yeah, with, uh, yeah, it is 18 because Michael Carter Williams, right. the Magic, signed him with an injury exception because of Briscoe being out, because of Bamba being out, etc. So, so any any time that you're going through a practice, it's a lot easier, um, you know, to have two full courts and then basically you have 12 goals to work on instead of six. So that makes things a lot easier for individual drill work and some small group stuff, but. I think personally as a as a layperson or if I was an NBA player, I you know, mm-hmm. you're going to spend the majority of your time when you're home at the arena for games. You would like the practice facility to be as close to the arena as possible. I would love to have my practice facility be at the arena cuz the only other place I'm going is to the airport. Yeah, and there there are a few options. They could my thinking was it's actually possible where they could actually have it built where the Geico parking garage is now. And replace it and either have people just park somewhere else or just rebuild a garage somewhere else. You can keep like the tunnel bridge thing or maybe to where it's actually connected to the arena. Or probably better, on the west side, there is some opportunity there for property, housing, etc. to be bought out. And, eminent domain. Yeah, which, look, we've, we've had, we've, this has happened with Orlando City State, Orlando City Soccer Stadium. It's happening in general, but... If that's something that the Magic want to do, then they'll go. They'll go ahead and probably do it there. Um, I think the can... important thing to note is that for them to do a new practice facility, it has to be entirely privately funded. And honestly, I I would actually hope that if there was possible, if you're going to build this, to actually have makes. If you're going to do multiple courts, or you, know, you can split it off where some of the some or the majority of the facility is privately for the Magic. Right. And maybe he'll leave it public for people in the area in the Paramore to actually be able to play ball there. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Now, then you got to worry about security, you know, things, security worries. Well, in the general, Magic but... used to work out at RDV, and yeah. you know they've shared hot tubs and cold plunges with regular members there. So. Yeah, so I, I, I think that that'd be something that'd be really cool if they did that. Yeah, um, you know, the Magic they do like dedicating outdoor courts and. You know, they if there's one thing that the DeVos family has done well is they have put money into the community. You can say whatever you want about their beliefs or their views, etc. But they do bring you know, put in money into the community. And we'll see where this goes. Look, the entertainment complex has already been delayed a few years. Um the, you know, they're just now about to I think start building in the off season. Um, you know, they it took them a while to move the Orla- the Orlando Police Department's facilities down the road near OBT. Uh, but yeah, we'll see where that goes. Anyway, we're gonna finish off the the pod today with uh, our rankings of our five best Orlando breweries. Drink it. Yeah, and so <laughs> we uh, we'll do it kind of like we did with the Magic Hall of Fame, where you know, I'll, I'll, Penny will go first. He'll pick his number five, and we'll count down to one. It's Penny, uh, and like I said, we'll I'll bring up maybe some honorable mentions if we don't mention them because there's a lot of breweries. I mean, Orlando's become really good as far as just. Places to go drink beer, brewery scene. It keeps getting better, if not every year, every few months. There's stuff that's going on. So, Penny, give me your number five best brewery in Orlando. Well, I want to preface my list by saying that in spite of myself, I tend to be a porter and stout guy. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from in my rankings. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start at number five with Orlando Brewing. 
And that's on my list solely for the seasonal chocolate mint girl stout beer, which I think is really good. Oh, that's good. But they have tons of variety. Uh, it's a cool little atmosphere. Uh, all their beer, or I should say the majority of their beer now is all organic. Um, also, they once a month they do a donut and beer pairing, which I've never actually gotten a ticket for. Uh, but it did lead to one of my most, most uh, romantic date nights of all time where I went around to local donut shops and got different donuts and then to the old Total Wine to get some different beers to pair them with. It was a really good night for nice. me. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Orlando Brewing is actually number three on my list, so you already took one of mine. Um, I'm going to go with my number five. Uh, mine is Red Cypress Brewing. Oh, uh, oh it, boy! It would be higher on my list, but it's kind of in no man's land in like Longwood, Altamont. Um, for me, look, they have they have awesome beer. I mean, it, most of these ones that I recommend, they offer really good flight options. Where if you've never been there, they have enough quality beer options. Where if you get a flight, you'll end up picking like your favorite ones from there on. But um, very high quality trivia night. Yeah. Uh, most breweries, I don't think, have the best uh, trivia options, but this one, very high quality trivia night. Um, I'm a big fan of their porters. Uh, they 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 have a wide variety of different beers. It's just the only thing that hurts it for me is it's kind of out of the way. And the other cool thing is if mo- if if these breweries don't serve food themselves, which the high high vast majority don't, they have food trucks at all these all the time, and so. Yeah, part of the experience is having actual good food options with it, but it's dog friendly. I I enjoy mostly the do- the dogs more than the people there uh, in, at that brewery most of the time. But uh, yeah, it's Red Cypress Brewing. It'd be higher on my list if it wasn't kind of tough to get to because it's not really close to the four seventeen. No, it's not really close to I four. Yeah. So spoiler alert: uh, Red Cypress actually number one. Number one on my list. Ah. Yeah, I did note that the location is very. You know, it's not ideal. But they do have a lot of distribution throughout the area. You can find a lot of their stuff on draft. Very true. Places. Um, and you know, like I said, I'm into the stouts and porters. They have a lot of great options. They also have a really good non-alcoholic root beer that they do over there that I like too. So. All right. Well, I took away your number one, but you got to tell me what your number four is now. I do. So I'm going to go to uh, local Mills 50 1010 Brewing for number four. Okay. And I'll be honest, I really, the first couple times that I went there was close to their grand opening and I was not a big fan of their vibe or their beers. None of our friend pool was actually. Uh, I, I feel like they've kind of hit their stride lately. Uh, recently, well, not recently, but I would say it, Halloween they did a beer where they brewed it with lightning struck tree from the Greenwood Cemetery. What? And it was one of the best beers that I've ever had. So that was really cool. That's pretty cool. Um, I actually just went to 1010 Brewery this weekend. Um, and so I had a couple of their beers. My favorite might have been the Black Gold. Uh, yeah, it's... I can't remember off the top of my head <laughs> what to, how to describe it just because I might have had a few that day before uh, Orlando City uh, had a terrible outing against Montreal in soccer, but not to go on a tangent. But no, 1010 has even more and more offerings than when they first opened. And honestly, they, they have a wide variety. I mean, they have you know some of the lighter grapefruit beers, which I'm a grapefruit beer guy. Yeah. That was one of the other beers I tried. Um, Refreshing. And, yeah. So, you know, you can't just be porters and stouts all the time. you got to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, but 1010 was not on my list. We did get a, a Twitter mention here and there about it. And the only thing that hurts 1010 is parking can be a pain to, to, to actually get 
in um you either have to park on the street or you have to park in like the near shopping area or you have to go to like santiago's bodega and like throw your car in there but um because right next to it though is uh grape and grain as well which is fairly new um they it's not just wine they offer beer there too but just mills 50 in general it's a really good spot for food and drink and if you haven't really explored it, I mean, my favorite, you know, I won't say cocktail place right now, but some of my favorite places to drink just in general are on Mills 50. Oh, you can easily waste a whole day or a whole weekend there and, and have a great time. All right. My number four is uh, Orange County Brewers. Nice. So the main reason why it's on my list is actually because it's in downtown. Uh, they're... Look, they offer more refreshing beers for the most part, more kind of fruity, less on the stout. Um, they offer, they have like a pizza oven in the uh, in the brewery itself. Actually, manned by the Pizza Bruno now. Too, yeah. Oh so. yeah. Okay. And so I didn't know that that specific detail, but uh, it's a great place if you're in downtown for you know either the evening or like the afternoon. You're doing stuff in between, or you're about to go to stuff like. It's a great spot to either start or end the day, I'd say, of drinking there. Um, just the location itself, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Uh, pretty good atmosphere in there. Uh, lots of TVs. They always have the Magic game on. I don't have to ask them to do that, which some of these places you kind of do, which is another rent time for another yeah. rant tangent on that. And they have cool flight uh, holders, it looks like, the yeah, state of Florida. Yes, that's, that does play. That, that should factor into that decision. Uh, what's your number three? So my number three, I'm going to take it very local neighborhood for my neighborhood bar, which is Ocean Sun Brewing. And I'll be honest with you again, when they first opened, I was not a huge fan of their beers, but I think they've really gotten it together. And they're, uh, you know, it's a very nice neighborhood bar. The vibe is real relaxed. A lot of dogs. In fact, the owner's dog is often roaming around. Super nice dog. Nice. Well behaved. They have free popcorn. Uh, and I think you can't go wrong with the old Bumby Blonde Ale there. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that beer. I haven't. It's been a while since I've been to Ocean Sun, even though it is up the up the road for me. It's actually the top ranked brewery in Orlando on Yelp, and huh. yeah, which that surprised me initially. But I mean, the atmosphere is great. I mean, may there's look there's uh, other breweries that have maybe better brewery uh, uh, beer selections, etc. But um, it's it's a really cool place to just hang there in, during the day. And like you said, just kind of have a good time. And a hundred times better than the Rogue Pub, so take that. <laughs> um, Ocean Sun, it wasn't actually on my list, but I, I have no, I have no issues with it at all being on yours. Uh, you took my number three, which was Orlando Brewing. So I'm actually going to skip to my number two, and this is kind of one of the newer ones, but it's it's up there for a reason. That's Ivanhoe Park Brewing Company. Look out! Uh, which it's. It's a wonderful building, first off. There's always a food truck there all the time. Um, I had a flight there uh, when they had originally opened last year, and I love their Tupac Porter. I think they just won a, a an award in the state of Florida for it, too. Um, but they, they have several good beers. Definitely try the Tupac Porter. I know you're not the biggest fan of it, I don't think, but I, I'm a big I, – I really enjoy it. Um, all their beers were great. It's it's up there not just for the location because again there's some pretty good restaurants around there. There's a few other drinking areas around there as well. Like you, you're close to like Hammered Lamb. Um, you're a very short drive from uh, you know M Lounge, which has like the vintage cars and stuff, which yeah. I might talk about if we ever talk about places to get drinks for, co- for cocktail wise, etc. Um, but 
I, I'm a big fan of of just that whole layout of I of Ivanhoe uh, of Ivanhoe Park Brewing, and yeah, that's my number two. They so. do some cool stuff with uh, like their their regular beers. They do special treatments um, of different flavors and and stuff like that. And uh, also, I think they've done a good job. They haven't been open all that long, but they're no. widely distributed to like Total Wine, a bunch of different restaurants. So they're they're making a run at the business that's for sure all right what's the next one on your list all right so my number two is actually uh i don't know if it's technically a brewery but i for purposes of the list we're going to allow it and i'm going to say red light red light um which is a i think a beers a beer drinkers beer bar i would say but also again like a real neighborhood down to earth the bartenders are super knowledgeable and nice um and they have an extensive menu uh, for bottles and cans and draft and everything, but they also they brew their own beer. Yeah, they do small batches, yeah. I guess, but they do brew their own beer. It's actually number one on my list, so, I, so I'm out of options at yeah, this me point. Too, so. I, I'm a big fan of the current fads. They actually have a new current fad on draft right now, and you can't beat their house brewed beers during happy hour. I think they're like four dollars. So yeah, no, they yeah they have really really good special sometimes on the weekends yeah. or just in general and it's number one for me I, I just love that it's the area it's in it's near east end market um you know you're you're in um audubon park you're close to you know lake baldwin baldwin park etc um and you're not that you're a very short drive from the mills 50 area i mean you can starting to see that some of these areas are starting to converge together where you can actually make a nice little hike of you visiting some of these places. So that's our list. Uh, we, I actually do have a few honorable mentions. Uh, one of them is uh, Castle Church Brewing Community. It's Goldenrod Narcusi type area. Uh, it is actually run by a church. It, if you're not a religious person, don't worry, you can still drink there. But it's a huge, huge building, and they have shipping containers in there that they kind of base the bar off of. And I'm, I'm a fan of, of the layout. Uh, I can't remember which beer I had. I, it, was, it was a porter. I think it was a chocolate porter that I had that was really good there. But um, yeah. You know, I'm a fan of a well-executed theme, and they did a really good job with the build-out of their building and kind of the aesthetic of what they were looking for. It was a really fun trip. Uh, another one I have on my list is Ellipsis Brewing, which is near uh, Orlando and Astro Airport. I think because it's kind of so far out of the way, like you really have to kind of make that your your go to spot for the for the evening. Yeah, it's a one and done, and all their stuff tends to be like a New England IPA, so there's not a ton of variety, but they do good stuff. Um, they offer a lot of game options like video games, uh, cornhole. They yeah. do uh, like board games. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that you could spend at least a few hours at if, uh, if you're in that area, probably good if you're, if you're about to fly home the next morning or something and you just want a, a beer or something, Ellipsis Brewing is a good option. Um, I'm going to add Sideward Brewing now, which just opened, uh, in the Milk District. I really like just how the Milk District is starting to just develop at this point. Like there's, they're near, uh, that barley and vine wine, uh, beer garden place, um, like a new Mexican taco place just opened near it, even though Gringo's Locos is also over there. Yeah. Um, you know, they do those food truck events on Tuesdays in the Milk District. But Sideward Brewing, it's it's not a big building. Like there's outdoor and indoor seating. Uh, but I, I think the Too Many Teeth beer, beer that I had there was pretty good. Um, I, I don't know if, if, if it's you know, of how you'd rate it or not, but I just like how it's 
laid out in the milk district and again it's just a nice kind of casual place to get there now they're still in their soft opening phase so that's why it's kind of you know it's kind of overcrowded at this point but i like their glassware and their logo and their beer's off to a good start so i'll be interested to see how they develop um i'll I'll mention one more uh hourglass brewing kind of suffers from the red cypress brew red cypress thing where it's this one's literally in the middle of nowhere like this one's even like farther out where Unless you're in, like, Castlebury, Longwood, in that area, it's really weird to get to. Like, you have to take almost, like, back roads to get to it sometimes. Or you have to, like, come in from Lake Mary or something, basically, to to get to this place. But really great uh, flight options, really good game options. Um, I've been there with, like, coworkers and stuff, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, A few – I will say there's a few places that I haven't been to that I like to go to. Rock Pit, people seem to love that place a ton. Uh, I haven't been to Tactical, uh, which is in Baldwin Park. That one's a good one. I almost went to that this weekend, but just didn't have enough time. And then I always forget Crooked Can, but it's so, so far away. It's like Winter Haven or whatnot, which is like 25 minutes from here. Or Winter, Winter Garden. Garden. Winter Garden. Sorry, yeah. Winter Haven's even way further yeah. from here. But I got to tell you, next time you want to go on a quaint little date night, you go out to Winter Garden, check out Crooked Can on the Plant Street Market, and have yourself a good time. But that'll do it for this episode of the pod. If you made it this long, tell us your top five or let us know any other places that we've missed. Maybe we'll do a live pod from one of the new breweries. Yeah, hell, I'd be down for that. Uh, but if you have any magic questions, of course, you can tweet at us. Uh, I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. Spencer, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. Uh, hopefully the magic will kind of keep it rolling here at home. They've got, uh, again, a few more days off. They, they don't play till Wednesday against New Orleans. Uh, Alfred Payton going on those empty uh, runs of uh, triple doubles. Hopefully he doesn't actually beat us on Wednesday. And then little revenge match against Memphis on Friday before another two full days where the Magic will then host Philadelphia on NBA TV Monday, March 25th. Let's get two big home wins this week, and then let's talk again. Absolutely. And with that, go Magic, take care, and just win. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way.